Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. On today's episode, we chat with John Feldman, who is the founder and CEO of Visionary Literary. Um, John is a um, runs a ghostwriting service and book marketing company. So he helps specifically business people, for the most part, write uh, nonfiction books and put them out and market them. And they offer services where they can walk you through the entire process, um, basically offer as much help as you need. He's got courses and um, I've personally worked with him a little bit and can speak to um, the quality that, that he provides. We dive into his backstory as well, how he was broke um, and he, he gets, you know, he gets vulnerable in the show. We talk about an embarrassing period of time in his life when he started a business, it failed. He had no money. His car was repossessed. He had to defer mortgage payments and his wife and kids were staring at him wondering, you know, what the next step was. And so it was a, it was a real low point for him financially. And obviously that all affects your, your relationships and everything like that. So He's since recovered and we walk through how he did that. And he shares a lot of practical uh, knowledge about not only building a business, but also um, just how to recover from, you know, that personal, a personal financial hardship like that. This is a very, very good episode. It's very practical. He's very well-spoken. And again, he can help you with, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, any other, any kind of professional, really anyone who wants to put out a book. One way that he um, is a little bit different than a lot of ghostwriters or um, or publishing companies is that he's really embracing AI. And we get into that. We talk a good bit about AI toward the end. So this is a really good one. You're, you're going to enjoy it. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. 
Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am pumped today to have with us John Feldman of Visionary Literary. Um, John is the founder and CEO of that company. John, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be it's going to be inspirational and practical, which is what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to speak to the entrepreneur out there and and or wannabe entrepreneur, you know, budding entrepreneur. Um, and I know you're going to be able to talk to that that listener. Um, and I know you also offer some very actionable and practical services um, that we're going to get into. So for the listener out there who is not familiar with you, John, who are you and what are you up to today? Yeah, so I am the founder and CEO of Visionary Literary. We are a ghostwriting and book publishing company. So basically, if you Jamie, for instance, if you, you're extremely busy, but you have a book idea and you're like, I know I want to get this book out there. You come to us. We have some writers write it on the back end. Your name goes on the cover and then we help you to publish it, promote it and um, and kind of steer you in the direction to open up new revenue streams from that book. Awesome. And yep. I know, uh, I think I heard you on the uh, Wealth Without Wall Street podcast and uh, I think uh came up then that you might have some controversial takes on on some of this stuff, which I'm I'm excited to get into, um, as far as maybe AI and the use of AI and that kind of thing. So uh, oh, yeah. we'll 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 put a we'll put a bookmark in that. You like that? Um, uh, you know, unintended. Exactly, hundred percent intended. But John, before we get to the uh, abundance that you're, you know, working toward and experiencing now, um, we got to jump back and in, into your backstory. I know before we hit record, you and I were talking about uh, your junior year in college being a, a pivotal moment for you um, and, and some uh, leading up to some adversity that you unfortunately went through. Um, so let's dive in. What, give us give us some context. What was your life like at that point in time? Yeah, so junior in college, um, like many uh, you know, undergrads, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, just knew that I needed that, you know, piece of paper, that degree to get out into the world, into the corporate world. But um, that just that seemed awful to me. So one day, my my late roommate Greg Menifee and I were sitting outside our college house, um, and he said we should write a book about our lives. Uh, we thought we were more interesting than we really were, but <laughs> that just sparked something in me. I was like, that's like I've always been drawn to to movies and to kind of you know storytelling and different plot twists. Um, that's always been engaging to me. So the next couple of days I sat in my classes um, and I just started writing a script. It was, it. I ended up finishing it and printing it. It was awful. Um, it still just collects dust on a, on a thumb drive now, but it just, it got me, it got, it got me excited for something. Finally, um, through all the courses that I took, I was finally excited about something. So I really pursued it, um, went out and, and started learning on my own, uh, started writing screenplays, started, I moved into novels and short stories, just really had a passion for it. But as any writer will tell you, it's nearly impossible to make a living writing um, when you're first starting. So I was doing other side jobs, working in corporate, anything to pay the bills while I, um, while I wrote. And then all these ideas that I started moving into ghostwriting, right? So writing for business people, people who were obviously smarter than I was. And I was learning so much from them. And that's when I, I kind of took the leap of faith too early into business. So I quit my corporate job. 
um, tried to start a, a handyman company. Okay. It, it, we made a $600 profit over six months. I had my car repossessed. We almost wow. lost our house. Uh, my wife and kids looked at me like, all right, dad, you know, what's next? What um, right. So that was a, that was a big turning point as well. Sure. No, there's a lot to unpack there. So just in college, just briefly, were you, did you, when you junior year, did you change your major or anything? Did you, what were you studying at that point? I didn't. So I was actually studying sociology and marketing. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to be in advertising. So I wanted to okay. kind of sit around a table and, um, and come up with commercial ideas. That was, that was my goal. So, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, and then you, you mentioned, obviously you you said you were learning uh, about writing, you were, you were writing and studying that and getting better at that. But then you mentioned a corporate job. What was that? What was that corporate job? It was, uh, actually working with electronical meta electronic medical record systems. Okay. Um, so this was a, a job that I kind of stumbled upon. Um, it was a, a 100% travel job. And then mm -hmm. I eventually just kind of settled down and got a corporate job local, but it was, it was gotcha. all computer stuff sitting behind a desk, sitting in a cubicle, um, sure. nothing, nothing exciting. And, 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 you know, much like, it sounds like much like my first quote unquote real job. Uh, it, not that the jobs were similar, but, but I took that job because it was, it was a job and it paid, you know, paid, um, Paid money, right? Bi-weekly yep. paycheck. So um, sounds like it, you took the your job for a similar reason. So, okay. So you, you, what made you, you said you went all in too soon on the handyman business, right? Yeah. Why did you decide to start that business in the first place? I just, um, I, I left corporate and went back to travel work. But at that time I had a wife and two young kids um, and I realized very quickly that, you know, whoops, maybe I shouldn't have left the corporate world, even though it was, you know, mind numbingly boring. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I came back and I was like, all right, like I've doing this ghostwriting on the side part-time, mm -hmm. um, learned so much. So let me just, let me take the leap of faith. And that's when, um, so I, I stopped doing the travel work that paid mm -hmm. the bills and I came back and took the little bit of money that I had stashed away, um, and tried to start the, the handyman company, tried to do gotcha. the the owner operator thing, which was, um, as it turns out, not the greatest idea. Well, and we're obviously going to progress and, and get into the financial struggles that you did experience, but just pausing briefly right here, where would, what would you say to the listener out there who has a corporate job and hates it or just, you know, it's boring or it's too much travel or something. And, and there's no, the caveat is always there. There's no one size fits all answer. Every situation is different. We get that. But what advice would you give them, you know, for should they just quit their job? Should they start a side hustle? Is entrepreneurship for everyone? Um, talk to the the wannabe slash budding entrepreneur out there who, you know, the grass is greener as, a, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, um, I think that I think entrepreneurship can be for everyone. It's just okay. like, if you hit a certain level of success, then you're happy. Everyone's happy. But I feel like the the person who is really in need of that kind of financial security, um, if you are not comfortable calling your mortgage company and saying, Hey, I need to defer some, some payments mm -hmm. or like just, just being in flux in a constant state of, you know, how am I going to pay the next bill? Um, maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you, or if it mm -hmm. is, you should go out and get some investors right away. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I, I would suggest if I could go back in time, mm-hmm. I would still have started that company um, okay. because handyman services, I, there'll always be a need for them. It's true. But true. I sh- should have planned a little more and, and did it as a side hustle at first. Like you said, okay. that's, that's kind of difficult to do um, with a, you know, in-home service company, but there are so many digital companies now, online services that you can do nights, mm-hmm. weekends. And then once you have proof of concept, you know, you have some good projects coming in, you know, that mm-hmm. you can safely walk away um, yeah. from your yeah. corporate job, then that's a good. That's, that's really, start. really good advice. And, and again, it, there's many ways to skin the cat, right? Maybe you can save up a bunch of money as you're working your W-2 and then take the leap. Right. And you've got some cushion there. Uh, in my case, I was able to work for the the last seven years uh, for the Department of Defense part-time. And so I was building my business on the side, but I had a good amount of time to do that. So not everyone has that situation. Right. But I definitely agree with you. In some way, you need some kind of proof of concept or some kind of you know book of business or some, some traction yeah. before, especially if you have a family that's depending on you yeah. before you just kind of go all in. So you didn't do that. Um, and again, we're, we're looking back, beating you up with, and now we have access to, to more information than you had at that, at that time. So it's kind of unfair, but at the same time, we want to learn from your story. So take us to rock bottom. You mentioned your, your car being repossessed. What, what did things look like at that point in time? Yeah. So that was a, that was a very embarrassing time. Again, it was just, so I was trying to do the owner operator thing um, because I started with basically nothing. So I couldn't afford to you know pay someone. Um, so I went out, I was doing my thing and I was coming home at night, sending out invoices. Many people weren't paying their invoices. So I was spending time chasing people down, um, which made me late to some jobs and some dissatisfied clients. So it was, it was kind of um, like an avalanche of bad things taking place. And then I just, I remember the, the car company, um, the mortgage company was a little bit easier to deal with. They were okay with me deferring some payments, but the car company was not. Um, there was actually the work truck that I needed. So I, uh, when the tow truck company called and said, like, I'm coming to get it, where do you live? I had to ask, can I please meet you somewhere else so my neighbors don't have to watch this so my kids don't have to watch this? Um, and I, I remember that vividly. I remember yeah. that, yeah, that conversation I can, I can, with the tow truck driver. Yeah, I appreciate you being, you know, some of the stuff is, you may have mostly put it behind you, but it's probably, it's not That's something true. you want to talk about and, it, and it's not exciting to talk about. It's, it's, yeah, I get, I mean, it's, I appreciate you being vulnerable about that. Um, and so, so it sounds like you met the tow truck tr- driver somewhere and he repossessed your car and then you made your way back home and what happened from there? Yeah, well, he, he gave me some business uh, advice, which I thought mm-hmm. was you know, <laughs> again, hindsight is twenty twenty. but, uh, he gave me some advice and then I came home and it was just, uh, it was a bad day or two, especially because we were still in a bad spot. There was no immediate fix. That's the really bad thing about having your own business where you don't have, um, where you're not giving yourself a salary where you're like out of money is that you can't snap your fingers and make something. You can't just make money appear. You have to go out and do something. So, I mean, it, it came down to like DoorDash and Uber and doing anything I could to just like make some money and then trying to apply to jobs. Um, luckily, 
I did get something rather quickly, um, you know, after a couple of weeks, but it's still, it took a long time to dig out of that, that debt. I didn't have to file bankruptcy, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, I didn't get in too deep because it was a very small company. Mm-hmm. But, sure. uh, so I did avoid, I mean, I, I know that there are people that have had way worse circumstances than I had with my small little company going under. Um, sure. But for me, that was, that was, you know, rock bottom. And I was like, I can't, I, I need to learn more. I need to be better for the next time that I, that I try. Sure. That makes, makes sense. Um, on one hand, service companies like that, uh, you know, can be a good idea to start because they're, they're, it's a fairly low barrier to entry. Yeah. Fairly low risk in that sense, because it, it really doesn't, you know, you need a truck and some tools and some basic knowledge, not, not putting you down in any way, but that, you know, you, you don't really need, uh, True, you don't need to go to medical school for for nine years to become right. a handyman, right? So that and so it's kind of a low risk in that sense. But you know, the flip side is it requires you to be there doing the work, and and as you said, owner operator. You said that a couple times. So okay, now you're no longer operating, and you're no, you're no longer the owner, and you have no no income. So all right, so you went, you did what you had to do, side jobs, whatever it is, whatever it took to to get income and then you you took another job it sounds like right yes okay all right so walk us through the next few years of your professional career yeah so i did i was able to go back to the the travel work that i was doing um gotcha. which was again it was it was the trade off of like now i have a wife and two small kids at home and i'm leaving for weeks at a time um not being home so that was the dissatisfaction there but at least we were able to to pay our bills so I started doing that and then created, I went back into doing some more ghostwriting, um, more learning from people. And I, I actually started to focus more on like my freelance writing career rather okay. than the travel career because I knew I was learning so much. Um, so I wanted to continue doing that and doing it on the side because the freelance career is very, very difficult to, um, to kind of navigate from a financial standpoint when, mm-hmm. when, Payment is so sporadic. You don't know when sure. you're getting paid, um, when the client is going to respond. So, but I started just, you know, I was able to go back to the work that I was doing and started writing again more on the side. Gotcha. I mean, I don't want to speak for your wife, but I'm guessing she'd prefer you travel and go make money versus sit around the house and um, <laughs> take Broke up space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, I mean, you, you took action, you did what you had to do, and you start making progress. And then on the side, you're working on your, your writing, um, you know, which is really sounds like was always your passion. Um, speak to that briefly, if you would, as far as you know, there's always this tension with, you know, following your passion versus um, following the opportunity or so- solving a need, serving others, not that you weren't serving others, but speak to you know, the entrepreneur who maybe they've started a side hustle, but it's not really taking off. How would you define, you know, what what would you do differently maybe to, um, if you had to go back as far as following your passion versus um, following the opportunity? Yeah, I think you just need to keep your eyes open. So I was always trying to pivot. Even when I went back to, you know, the screenwriting, when I was finishing up college and in my first few years after, um, I kept, you know, trying to find a literary agent, trying to send out scripts to movie studios, and that wasn't working. So I was like, all right, I need to try something different. 
And that's when I did a little bit of research and realized that novel writing and short story writing, maybe that was an easier barrier to entry into the literary mm. market to make a career okay. out of it. That okay. didn't work. So that's when I looked up ghostwriting and started doing that. So for anyone who who might be starting something and it is a passion, if it doesn't work the first time, don't give up. So pivoting is something that any entrepreneur, mm-hmm. any business person will tell you, like you have to pivot when things happen. You could be in business for 25 years and COVID hits and you've got to completely pivot, you know, the way that you operate. So for sure, stick with it. It doesn't mean if you do something once or even twice, it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It just means that you have to find a way to where you can make that work within your, you know, you can make it work for other people. Yeah. So you're still catering to your own strengths and your own passion, but you find, uh, you know, the, the Venn diagram, the middle of the Venn diagram where, where it actually overlaps with the opportunity and what the market tells you, oh, that people will actually pay for this. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. So when did things start to take off a little bit for you? So um, just to speak on that, on that last part too, on sure. the my fiction writing when I started, like when you said the Venn diagram of like what people will pay for, mm-hmm. I couldn't for the life of me get someone to read my $5 fiction book. <laughs> but as I started ghostwriting, I could find mm-hmm. someone who would pay me $10,000, $30,000 just to write their book. Mm-hmm. So it was wild to see. And that's why I completely moved into ghostwriting because I was like, mm-hmm. I can actually make a decent career doing this. And then maybe sure. when I'm a little bit older, time opens up, maybe I retire, then I get back into writing novels because I'm not sitting there stressed about money. I'm not forcing family and friends to buy it. So there that's is- That's really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah. that's a very dramatic um, or drastic change from you know $5 to $30,000. So for anyone Absolutely. listening, you might not have the luxury of having such a drastic you know change in, yeah. in gaining income, but that is- well, I also like the fact what you just touched on is, is, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, but you know, life can have seasons. It's okay for you to kind of go back to that nonfiction writing in 10, 20 years when you're in a better position or, or different position, you're not stressed. So it doesn't mean that this, you, you, whatever decision you make today is just final for the rest of your life. So pivoting can be temporary as well. And just, you know, follow the money a little bit now and then maybe that'll open up other doors and i i would guess that your the ghost writing that you did and continue to do is only going to benefit any future uh fictional writing that you do um is that fair to say yeah for sure so it's all about storytelling um whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you've got to draw in the reader especially today when attention spans are um so small you have to make sure that you're constantly keeping the reader engaged. I think I read a book by uh, by Stephen King. It's called On Writing. Um, okay. And he says that you need to, when you're writing or when the reader is reading, they have to forget that they're actually reading. So that's something that I really took. And I remembered, you know, all these years later is that you have to really draw in the reader. If you're writing, you know, textbook style, um, you're not going to keep the reader engaged. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, then keep, you know, what, what what happens next in your story? So one, my, another pivotal turning point was, I believe it was 2018, maybe 2017. Um, I was still doing ghostwriting on the side. I was home in between those travel projects. Uh, and the one assignment uh, through a, another agency that I got was for, um, I'm close to Orlando. So it was a, a client that was Orlando based. So I drove to his house, met him there. 
Um, I was driving this, this, you know, crappy car, all that we, all we could afford. And I pulled into this beautiful multi-million dollar home and I got out and I looked under the car and I was so afraid I was going to leak oil all over this guy's beautiful driveway. <laughs> but I went and knocked on the door, introduced myself, very nice guy. He was a business partner of um, billionaire banker, Sam Zell. <laughs> and sure. I went and I sat at his kitchen table and I was just in awe at his house. And wow. As I started talking to him, getting ready to like, you know, talk about his book idea, what he needed, mm -hmm. he just, he started talking to me and he was like, he was just a, a regular person. And he told me, he's like, look, like any business can be successful if you run it this way with X, Y, and Z. He's like, I'm not special. I just, th this is, this is the formula and this is what I want to like help share with people. Mm. And that just, that was another pivotal moment. Mm. Um, in the years that came, I think I sent, cause I was like, I have to start another business now. And in the years that came, I think I sent him five or six different pitch decks. And mm. He was nice enough to respond to me and talk to me, but it wasn't, mm -hmm. um, I was nowhere near, you know, big enough for, for him to invest in. But mm -hmm. that moment, just sitting there listening to somebody who's been that successful in life, tell me stories about losing $5 million in a day and being able to push forward. Um, and just, just again, going through telling me that like, I'm just, I'm just like you, I'm just a normal yeah. person just money. But if you do this X, Y, and Z, then, um, then you can, you can benefit. So, so we obviously don't have time to dive into all of the, the wisdom he shared, but do you remember, you know, maybe one thing that he shared that, that really you actually were able to take action on? So it, there were, there was a lot. Um, yeah. and he ended up, uh, yeah. So it was a lot and it was mostly like a story. It was like an internal story for his kids that he wanted, but it was basically just going through like his kind of his upbringing. Right. And so how he wasn't anything special, but he, he resulted in something great. Got it. So I, and I probably didn't. So, but as far as applying to your, for your own business, the information that he gave you for your business, did he help you with, with that? Yeah, he did very much, especially from like, from the onset. So, um, much more planning, right. Got Whereas it. the handyman business, I just jumped right in and figured I'll learn. Um, now I am just talking about planning and operations. Mm -hmm. Uh, this bit visionary literary. Now we yeah. have, and I, I built it all. Like I'm talking mm -hmm. standard operating procedures down to like, whether you right click or left click and what the page mm -hmm. looks like. And like, it's, it's so, so insanely detailed, but mm -hmm. like one thing that I learned also, which was from someone else writing in the future was as you're creating a business where you want other people to, to work in, you're mm -hmm. building the game that you want them to play. Mm -hmm. That's, that's something really that really stuck. Yeah. That's sure. why, uh, Operating procedures are are huge for me. I, I operations yeah. is my uh, my thing now. <laughs> well, I think it's it's a different mindset, right? Than yeah. than ghost writing, right? You're running a business. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's a writing business, public, you know, book, uh, publishing and marketing business, or if it's um, a handyman business. You, right. you, you I, I would guess you could probably be now if you started your handyman business. I, I'm thinking you'd. Do a little better at it than than your last go around. Um, <laughs> so that's no, that's awesome. And I've definitely found, you know, I don't take advantage of it. I don't take it to an extreme. But there, people who are successful, they want to share, especially if they're a little bit older. They they want to give back, and um, that's definitely something to to take advantage of. And I've I've pitched people, and that that you know politely turn things down, and that's fine. You know, it's yeah. like. But I still get a lot out of that relationship and hopefully, you know, hopefully I can give them something back as well. Um, but that's, 
that's good advice to just, it sounds like you were open to listening to, you, you see that someone else has done well, well, let's take some, you know, success leaves clues, right? So, oh, goodness, um, yes. yeah. Okay. So how has your, what has your business blossomed into? What does it look like now? Or, you know, in, in a little more detail than we've touched on already. Yeah. So, so we, there are, um, for anyone listening who has the CEO title or C-level title or founder title inside their LinkedIn profile, certainly you've had five to seven different people contact you and say, you, you should write a book. Um, there are, I, I don't want to say it's like a low barrier to entry for the publishing, the hybrid publishing market, but anybody can start it. Like I have spoken with people who have no writing experience, but they know that the process is out there, that they can do it and they'll just, you know, flip a profit for it. But um, for me, I've, over the past couple of years, especially, um, I've written for close to 50 now entrepreneurs, business people, very successful people. Mm. So I've learned so much, but I also know that most publishing companies, hybrid publishing companies out there are targeting that, that, $10 million a year, $20 million a year, like the high ticket, low volume, because they want to work with a couple clients. Um, mm -hmm. If you haven't hit this mark yet, uh, you probably don't know enough to help mm -hmm. your peers. But um, I'm, I call bananas on that. No way, because <laughs> like, so I want to start, we at this, at this company, like I want to start mm -hmm. helping lower, like budding entrepreneurs, like you said, mm -hmm. kind of earlier on people sure, who are sure. in their first year two or three, that maybe have, you know, they've gone through something that I went through um, or that some of your guests have gone through, like they've hit that rock bottom and they learned from that rock bottom. Like you don't have to be a billionaire to know how you can help everyone else. Like if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but the first mm -hmm. couple of years in business, you were flat broke and you made nothing, you learned something. And that Absolutely. little something can be put into a book that can help the people who are aspiring, who are just about to come onto the path and you could help them avoid those couple of years of really tumultuous times. For sure. Um, I think sometimes we forget, you know, I, I do a little, you know, mentoring of for mortgage note investors on the side. And not that I know it all by any stretch. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm saying. But I forget how much I have learned in the last six years when I've really been all in on this. Um and so some of the basics that I take for granted, that's really valuable information for other people who are brand new to this space. So um, what what types of, I know you've worked with, you know, pro athletes, politicians, um, a World War II veteran. Um, is there a general theme, kind of the you know, type of book that, um, or, or topic of the books that you've written that seems to kind of keep um, surfacing? Yeah, it's a, a lot of business Business yeah. books and business memoirs. Um, so business memoirs are things that I, like I, if I could buy a hundred books right now, 99 mm -hmm. would be business memoirs because I absolutely okay. love just reading the stories. It's kind of like the guests that come onto your show. Like we tell our stories of yep. starting out, where we came from, all the, the tough times, and then like where we came out in the end. So Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is one That's that really I- That's really good. I just oh, read I that. It. It's absolutely really love it like it just you think that when people look at phil knight they think oh he's rich he, yeah like he was, you don't he was, see oh yeah. man it was he like he was just born that way or something like he yeah. just had success dropped in his lap there it's that was really good i read it a few months ago and um yeah i was telling my wife about it because it's just 
I mean, they, they, you know, they would get together for these, uh, I can't even say <laughs> what they called them, but they just, their little mastermind, the few guys that were actually running the company back in the day. And there were so many points there that, that Nike could have just gone, gone under. Yep. Um, and we just take it for granted that, oh, Nike was always this massive, successful company. Not at all. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Really good yeah. book. And I, I couldn't agree more as far as yeah, on this show, we just, we do, we tell people's real, real life stories and we try to, this is what worked or didn't work for them. It doesn't mean it's, everything's going to work for you, but, um, people love stories. So, and, and personally, I love nonfiction stories, you know, just cause it's like, well, that, that's, that yeah. happened, <laughs> you know? So, um, that's awesome. Um, now what is your, like, as far as your team or your business, you know, what does that look like? Do you have virtual assistants or how does your, how's your company set up right now? Yeah. So we have virtual assistants and then a lot of freelancers. So, um, most of our, because we try to like really cut costs for the budding entrepreneur who can't afford, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 for a traditional book. Um, sure. there's a lot of AI automation. So we're, as you were mentioning earlier, we're, yeah. we're, we're diving headfirst into AI, Web3, all of it, just because um, so many writers, 99% of writers and writing companies are fearful of it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's here and we yeah. know it's yeah. not going anywhere. So no. jump on the train now, like learn, use it to help because they're, they're from a human component, like it, AI can write, but it writes your first draft. Yeah. And then you go in and the first draft is where eight out of 10 authors call it quits because they start writing their first draft and they're halfway through and they're like, all right, everyone does it. Even professional writers. This mm. is awful. I've got to set this aside, but professional sure, writers know, sure. let me set it aside for a week and come back to it. But an yeah. amateur writer, an aspiring writer for the first time, they'll be like, this is garbage. This never happens to anyone. So it's got to be garbage. Let me mm. throw it in the trash. And then they stop. Sure. Yeah. I love that. And I just hired, uh, a an operating officer on my team and he's pushing the AI thing really hard. And I, so I've been diving back in to it and, and, uh, man, it is super helpful just in general, like, you know, just, uh, and, and just co coming up with whether it's podcast show notes or yeah. anything else, it's just like, yes, there's a character limit with chat GPT, but it, um, it, it's, I, it's hard to put it in words, how helpful it's been. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's not going away. So, yeah own it right it's it's happening it is it's going to keep changing but i think the more you can get out in front of that and incorporate it into your own business even if you're five ten percent of ahead of the next person i think that's that's huge um and so how do you how do you use it with in your business specifically with with ghostwriting so we try to for the the standard projects for some of the the more seasoned individuals who come to us and they just want to help. And it's not about getting a book out there so that they can open up, you know, new revenue streams. Um, that we have just regular, our freelance pool of writers. That's the traditional model. You sit down, you have the time to sit down one-on-one, -on -one, talk with your ghostwriter and get your story out. But for those who are still, you know, very much in hustle mode, but they need a book, just a short book to get their, you know, an, an enhanced business card. Um, to get it out there to showcase their expertise. We walk them through in our guided author programs. We just walk them through how to use AI, how to use the prompts, um, how to get the first draft done in 
I mean, it could be a day. It could be less than a day if you actually sit down and do it all. But to help you structure the book and then you know to outline it, put it in, in good sequential order, and then to get the first draft completed, uh, we we walk clients through that. And that can be done in uh, the outline and the first draft can be done in a day or two. And then you take it from there. Make it your own. Gotcha. Yeah, so speaking of that, I mean, I know people have concerns about the legal ramifications or copyright issues. Um, what's the what's the insight you can offer there? Yeah, so there are there are two things there. Um, one is be very careful, obviously. So everything that is, is ChatGPT, for example, everything that's been fed into it. Um, I think Sarah Silverman and a couple other people have lawsuits out now because... Mm-hmm. Uh, someone asked someone that Sarah Silverman knows, I guess, asked ChatGPT to tell me a joke. Um, and it told a joke and it was hers. So she would, and comedians, they're very, very close with their jokes. So, um, sure. she was displeased with that. So basically anything on the internet was scraped. Um, so be careful that you're not stealing someone else's, that you're not plagiarizing. So that's why you sure. have to go back and make it your own as well. Um, second thing is, I forget what the, uh, hallucinating. So AI hallucinating, have you heard of that term no, before or no? No. What, so what it, it makes up its own. So if you say, can you send me three examples of um, you know XYZ topic and provide and cite the sources, it mm-hmm. will give you three and it will give you three sources. And if you go mm-hmm. back and refer to them, mm-hmm. websites, like people have said the website doesn't exist mm, I see. or there's no source on the website. So don't trust... If you're going to write a very research-heavy book, don't sure. put all of your trust into AI. Again, like this has only been out for, yeah, yeah like not very it's long. only been widespread <laughs> for for so long. So obviously there are growing pains within it. But right. as a writer, and if it's something that you are going to put your name on the cover, uh, you've got to make sure that you do the 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 sure. extra work to to make it yours. No, I think it's that's good perspective. We're not relying on this 100%, but it's a tool that we can use, right? Why would why we not use it? Yeah, right. I've had examples where I've said, hey, chat GPT, give me three the three takeaways from this, right? And it gives me four. And I'm like, I literally said three. Um, <laughs> so, it, and again, the character limit has, I've been trying to work with it to take uh, podcast transcripts Unfortunately, my transcripts are a little bit too long to, so I've got to usually piecemeal them. You know, so there are limiting factors in the yeah. use of of Chat GPT specifically. Yeah. Um, but it's so powerful, and like you said, it's only going to get better and better and better. So, yeah. embrace it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Now, there's also so if if you are someone listening and you want to write a book and you want to utilize AI, but you're like, I, I don't trust Chat GPT. You can also there are so we use um, Otter which is a, mm-hmm. a transcription mm-hmm. at, it's like audio capture and transcription. So you can literally just, or like Google docs does it too, or Microsoft word. You can just talk your book. Like you can literally talk, just mm-hmm. say it verbally and you'll see it appearing on the screen. Once yeah. you're done, you get all your ideas out there. You have your whole entire book on the screen. You've just spoken it into the, um, whatever writing writer processor you want to use. Mm-hmm. And then you can make that your own. So you're not mm-hmm. relying on, you know, AI, ChatGPT, you're not worried about the legal issues. This is sure. all yours, but it's easily transcribed for you and on the paper for you to, um, yeah. to just there. Makes sense. And to be clear, we're not giving any legal advice, neither of us, neither John or I, or nope. we're not giving legal advice whatsoever. Um, but from what I've seen, there, there, where there have been rulings or, or 
judicial cases, it seems like this hasn't been a major issue as far as um, copyright issues and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. I know you can go the other way with it, too. I know like Descript was um, even this was eight, probably six, eight months ago. Somebody I work with, um, if you upload an audio uh you know, file of of just you speaking for 20 minutes. And I'm sure it's way better now, but yeah. it will spit out. It can, You can then, it will learn your voice and then you can give it the words, written words, you know, a few pages. And it will literally read that back to you in your voice, which yeah. is, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> we, so, we started using that for, uh, for audiobook narration. Okay. So, we we we've That's like awesome. we're just rolling that out, but that is something. It's the same, um, mm -hmm. the same software too. Okay. It is absolutely incredible. Instead of spending a couple hours um, going through your audiobook, reading it, editing yeah. out all the mistakes, you just you. It's your voice, and it's it's yeah. computer generated. So absolutely. I was on a I was on a I was a co-host of a note investing podcast. My my co-host Chris Seventy sent me this audio file of him, but it wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounded really close to the, yeah. the real deal, but um, awesome. Well, I've got some rapid fire questions for you, John. You ready? I'm ready. Awesome. What is one thing that people misunderstand about you? Um, about my, uh, my, my title, maybe. So people on LinkedIn tend to think that I'm a whole lot smarter and more successful than I am. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's just the title. I'll get there, but I have a, a ton yet to learn. Okay. Um, you're, you're speaking it into the universe. So I love that. Um, what's one of your biggest failures, maybe beyond something that we've talked about regrets. If you, you know, some people don't like the term failure, but one thing that you'd like a, a do over with, um, in your, in your past life. So this is, if, if I, I wish that I would have been more motivated when I was younger. So I was, a. Uh, uh, I played ice hockey for a long time and I absolutely loved it. And I was okay. I played in a league where a couple, a handful of people got drafted into the NHL. Um, mm. If I, I would have actually tried, if I would have cared, if I would have mm -hmm. had the ambition that I have now for business, um, mm -hmm. for hockey back in my teen years, I definitely could have been, um, I could have been something better, maybe a pro hockey player. And that would have been really cool. Yeah, that's cool. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Hemingway. Love it. It's the yeah. first time we've had that answer on the yeah. on the show. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, John, what would you do with it? Um, I would invest about eight million of it and then keep two million to um to enjoy enjoy life for a little bit until those the money started coming in from the investments. Nice. Passive investments or in your business or probably passive. I might sell the business and just have just have maybe uh passive investments come in. Got it. What is one challenge that you're facing right now in your business? Um, trying to stand out from the you know, hundreds of other publishing companies that are not as authentic. Um, they, they, they were started from people that aren't actually writers. So, hmm. Okay. Got it. Um, if in your opinion, what is one of the most important person personality traits that someone needs to be successful in, in your specific industry? Uh, I think you have to have a patience, right? So I guess if you're a writer, you've got to have patience and you've got to have understanding. Um, if you are someone, if you're a client coming in trying to write a book, I think you just have to be compassionate and empathetic toward people who 
um, are in, in different situations. I love it. If you were to start a different business entirely, what would it be in? It would, not be, it would not be a handyman company. Um, <laughs> I think I might, I, I might try to get into something tech related, even though I'm non-tech. Um, I just think that the tech and AI and, and the future is just something very exciting. Love it. How about a book or two that you could recommend for our audience out there? Um, well, I think Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is, yeah. is great. Um, Zero to One is fantastic. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Uh, the hard thing about hard things. That okay. is a great read book. That if, yeah, traction is a good book. Sure. Um, yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> Four is always is is better than one. Um, <laughs> what are other podcasts that you listen to? I know you have your own, right? I do. Yeah, I have um, my own self published success. So we interview authors on there. Um, I also i I like their. Um, Starting Greatness by Mike Maples is a good one, even though it's kind of sporadic. Uh, okay. I do listen to uh, Joey and Russ, Wealth Without mm -hmm. Wall Street. They're very, yep. very entertaining. Um, yes. game, so I listen to them as well. A couple of uh, Alabama rednecks who make a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I do as well. They're good good guys. I definitely recommend people listen yeah. to that one. Um, they are. How do you... They, yeah, don't let them fool you. They are smart. Um how do you like to serve other people, John? Um, just helping, helping in, in any way, whatever they, they need. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not like a pushy salesperson. When people come my way, I just want to help. Um, if they have a smile on their face, then I'm helping. So <laughs> I love it. Awesome. What have I not asked you about that you'd like to cover? Uh, well, the only thing I can think of is, uh, of, for the listeners, right? So there is a free resource that I don't think I've mentioned yet or a site. It's a, so visionaryliterary.com backslash resources. We've got a bunch of different resources for anyone looking to write their book, um, free resources to get started, whether it's, you know, a free course that we have, a free book, um, ton awesome. of information. So good starting point. Yeah, we can, we'll put that in the show notes as well. We'll link to that, Thank that you. page. Um, is that the best place for the listener to reach out to you online is your website or LinkedIn or where would you recommend people reach yeah. out to you? Yeah. Website or LinkedIn. Um, John Feldman is a pretty common name, but if you type in visionary literary after it, I should pop up, but that's my most active platform. I admittedly have social channels everywhere, but I am, um, I'm not on them. <laughs> it's tough to keep up with all of them. It's, it, it really it's a is. challenge. It is. Sure. So Awesome, John. This is really good. I do appreciate you being vulnerable and talking about some embarrassing, you know, an embarrassing period in your life. Um, you know, but uh, the fact is, we've all we all have ups and downs, and in a professional career, the the path of uh, the path to success in your professional career for anyone is not a straight line. So, um, we appreciate you being uh, vulnerable and allowing us to learn from your your story. So, thanks a lot for joining us, John. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. And for anyone listening as well, um, Jamie's podcast is, is fantastic with all of these stories, not just mine. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of time and effort. I know going, uh, putting into a podcast. So if you're listening to this or if you're watching this, uh, you know, please just scroll down to the bottom, give Jamie a review. He definitely deserves it. The, the podcast and all the work he puts into it. Um, let everyone listen and, and let it help other people. I appreciate that. And you are, you are correct, John. It is, 
it is a labor of love. I love doing the podcast, but it is a lot of work and it's not free. So if we can grow the downloads, grow the listener base, impact more people. I've gotten a few in the last couple of days. I just told my wife, I've gotten some people just reaching out saying, keep it up. This is awesome. And it sounds corny and cheesy, but it, it really is like, okay, I, I it just energizes you um, to try to make an impact and help, help more people. So, um, but yeah, I do appreciate that, John. And thanks for joining us. Um, to the listener out there, thanks for joining us. Thanks for investing your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.